Well, good morning. You guys all doing well? Looks a bit different, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, man. Well, I want to give you a little context of what you want to do this morning, and then we're going to dive in. Um, as you guys all know, we've been talking about and uh, the revelation that we sense about the table. And as we've been talking about the table and all that God is doing, um, we realize that there's a lot of issues facing, as Pastor Lawrence would frame it, the Western church and how to deal with that. But that led to a pretty serious question that we all had to ask each other, and that is, why do we gather corporately on Sundays? What is this about? We see and we've been talking about the impact of what happens at a small group or around a table around with dialogue and conversation where everyone can be known. You, you lose anonymity. You have to kind of be vulnerable to some extent. And, uh, but what about this? What is this about? And so what we decided to do is get the teaching team together, minus Haley. Haley, wave at us. Uh, the reason why Haley is not here is if you, well, just talk with her afterwards. You'll figure out why she's not here. Uh, her voice is pretty much shot. So uh, she's uh, not, she's negative for COVID. She's here and she's worried, but her, her voice is just shot. So she's not up here. So we want to ask some questions and uh, kind of take time to answer them and work, work this out together with you guys. I'd like to read a passage, if I can do that, then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to start with the first question. This is from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And we thank you for your body, your church. And here we are. We ask in the next few moments that you would give us wisdom, that you'd help us communicate clearly. Um, but Lord, may we be on this journey together of discovering what it is that your church um, does and looks like and how it impacts the world in the way you intended it. Father, we just pause for a moment and pray for Destiny Kids and D Kids Jr. May you bless our children, give them a heart to know you and to walk in your ways. God, may they gaze upon your beauty all the days of their life and may they be settled into your love. I pray, Lord, that you would bless those serving them and ministering to them. And in here, I pray, um, that the words of our mouths and meditations of our heart are pleasing to you. We pray it in Jesus' name, our only hope. Amen. All right, the first question, very big, very broad, but what are the reasons that we gather corporately together? Chris, why don't you start us off? Well, actually, let's just go down in order if we can. Sounds good. Uh, so for me, one of the big things I would say is just the family aspect and relationship of gathering together. You know, I've grown up in church, specifically this church, for most of my life. Um, so a lot of, even the concepts of relationships, family, really were born uh, out of a congregational family that I grew up with. <laughs> um, a, you know, a lot of the relationships that have invested in my life, molded me, helped me, um, have came from people in this church specifically. Uh, you know, I've heard people ask me before, well, why do I have to go to church? I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. No, you're absolutely right. You don't have to attend church to be a Christian, but just like I don't have to go on dates with my wife to be married, the, those dates help that be a healthy relationship. Coming together with a body helps have a healthier relationship, family dynamic. 
you know, Matthew 10, 24 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one, of a, one another in acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another specifically now that the day of the Lord is drawing near. And I think that's a big verse for me when I talk about how we gather as the church because that is the place where I'm going to come and I'm going to have encouragement. I mean, honestly, just how at the end of worship, how many of you guys are walking through something? Let's lift our hands. Let's turn. Let's join together. Let's pray over that. Let's agree for that. It's a place where I can not only come in, be encouraged, and learn how to grow as a Christian, but I can partner with people to help walk through whatever I'm walking through in life during that season. That's good. Thank you. Tracy? Well, I think my answer is a lot the same, and that's just relationships. And I grew up in church. And we were in church all the time. It was back when we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I was there all the time. And my family was my family, but my church family was just as much my family as my family. You know, my Sunday school teachers were parenting me and helping me grow in my faith. And my youth pastor was helping me grow in my faith. And then it got to the point that in you start realizing some of the church administration things going on. And when I was in youth, um, some decisions were being made by the church that I didn't really agree with about the youth and my youth pastor. And I just didn't think they were in the best interest of the youth. And it created a lot of hurt in me. And I think people today walk through situations with the church and we do have church hurt. But those relationships in my life kept me grounded and kept me going despite the hurt because those people loved me and I loved them and they're why I was growing in my faith and it was just a situation where I mean just like all what all seasons of my life whether it was when I was a kid or in youth or in college or a young married or even now, it's the relationships in church that have made me grow in my faith. It's those people who have mentored me and that I've been able to mentor that have made church what it is for me. It's just all about relationship. Mark. What she said. <laughs> no, uh, I just made Pastor A.T. very nervous. Um, I really I think it's incredibly important just in what we're talking about right now I thought of this during worship but we're we're not merely participating with what's going on in the room you know when the worship is going and the songs are happening and there's um, exuberance enthusiasm, you know, I mean, it's easy to uh, kind of be caught up in the emotion of that moment, which is not a bad thing. It's just that there's something so much more that's going on. And to be honest with you, I'm trying to learn that right now as uh, a a lead pastor to the church when I'm standing up here speaking, because I'm an emotional person. I'm passionate about my marriage. I'm passionate about you know, what, anything going on in my life, I'm just passionate. I'm just kind of high-strung that way, and Tracy has to put up with a lot to deal with me, <clears throat> and uh, as do my daughters. But 
But I, I've found myself at times trying not to wind up in the emotion of the moment to try and cooperate more with the spirit of the moment. And there's something taking place in the room that's really amazing, but there's something taking place in heaven as a result of what's going on in the room. So I think right now the most important thing that I want to encourage all of us, there's this beautiful promise that we have in Scripture that when we come together, he promises to be here in a pronounced way. Isn't that interesting? So obviously this is a value to God. And suddenly when we come together, there's more going on in the room than what was going on in the room simply because we've gathered together as the body of Christ, the family of God, experiencing something of the presence of God in a pronounced way that you cannot experience on your own by yourself. I mean, it's, it's amazing to go out into nature and experience the Lord, isn't it? Have you ever done that? You know, just gone out and just been alone with God. It's something so beautiful. I had a guy one time tell me, he came to church for a while, and he said, you know, I just I feel the presence of the Lord more when I'm on my motorcycle. I'm just going to take that approach to being with God. And I mean, I think that's an awesome experience to go, but if that's going to be your approach to really growing as a Christian, then there's going to be great deficiency that's going to exist in your life because there's something that can only happen when we gather together uh, there's a principle in Scripture, one puts a 1,000 to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight. I know you can look at the context of that, and it's about routing the Israelites. But it's a principle still, nevertheless, that there's power in numbers. And I just think it's important that we understand when we come together, this begins to release something of a supernatural atmosphere where our faith levels rise. How many of you, your faith just increases when we gather like this in worship? And right now, under the sound of my voice, where the sound of the voice of God begins to happen. Whoever is speaking when we're willing to listen, when whoever is singing when we're willing to listen, our faith levels begin to arise. Our dreams begin to be awakened. Gifts that are within us start to get activated. Hope in our lives is inspired so many times. And very importantly, the enemy is more readily defeated when we begin to walk this out. So I think there are some enemies that we more readily uh, defeat just when we gather together. And I heard a pastor, <clears throat> it was interesting, he, he saw somebody that um, had stopped coming to church for a season of time, much like through COVID that's happened with some of our families and, and many still, you know, linking in online but not choosing to be here personally. And I know if you're unable to make it, that's, uh, we, we understand that and we want to provide that and we've got people now beyond the Oklahoma City area, which is kind of exciting. Some things that are unfolding we'll be talking about. But this pastor went to this family that he knew they just had kind of lost the, the art of gathering together overall because they used to be very faithful. And he knocked on the door. The man came to the door and was sitting in front of a fireplace. And um, the pastor just looked at him and said, good afternoon. And the, the man looked at him shocked. The pastor was at his home. He goes, good afternoon. He said, I'm, I'm just sitting at the fireplace. Pastor, would you like to join me? So they walked in. They sat down, and uh, not a word was spoken. It was just quiet. And the fire is burning. It's beautiful. The, the pastor grabs these tongs, and he pulls one of the logs over to the side, away from the other uh, logs. And he sits down, and slowly that log that had been placed by itself started to lose its flame, began to lose its fire. Pastor got up put the log back in the fire, and suddenly it burst back up into flames. <laughs> the man sitting there, he said, it's the best sermon I've ever heard you preach, Pastor. I'll be back next Sunday. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I want to I read a, just a passage uh, as I give my response. But First Peter 2, 9 through 11 says, But you are a chosen race. Just listen to the language. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation 
a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. My, one of the reasons why we gather corporately is at the end of the day, the thing that God is getting out of all of this, out of all redemptive human history, what God is getting out of this is a people for his own possession from every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. He's not getting you. He's not getting me. He's getting us. If you think that your Christian life, that you come, if, you, if we think that coming to church on Sunday is about really expressing our individual relationship with Jesus, then you missed it. You are actually a part of a people who happen to have a personal relationship with Jesus, not an individual relationship with Jesus. There's a difference between something being individual and something being personal. We are a part of a people. We are a holy nation. So it's not just one of us. This is not always, this is not simply about our own personal experience. This is about doing something together. Um, which is part of what we see in the early church. People talk about the book of Acts, how they always meant house to house and house to house and house to house, uh, like Acts 2.42. But you, we often miss Acts like 2.46. that says they gathered together at Solomon's temple and then house to house. They gathered at Solomon's temple. Just imagine 3,000 were saved in Pentecost. That's a mega church meeting at Solomon's temple. That's 3,000 plus Christians coming together probably daily or three or four times a week and then also meeting house to house. You thought your church schedule was busy, huh? That'd be, that'd be a little much, wouldn't it? You guys got to lighten up just a little bit. All right, you laugh with us. Even if you don't think it's funny, you can give me a courtesy laugh. I'll take it at this point. Um, so my point is this. One of the things that we do when we are together is we witness by our gathering and worship. Our worship is witness. You know, 600 years ago when people came to church, it wasn't necessarily about their own personal life, their anxiety or their sinfulness or their own piety. It was actually about gathering together as a group to worship God and witness of the fact that he is Lord. That in every community in the world, there would be these little pockets of people who gather and worship God. Jesus Christ, who's ascended and seated next to the right hand of God. So worship is a way of witnessing. We kind of step into this 2,000-year-old river uh, with all of the saints in our worship of God together. And so part of that also then is it announces and proclaims the kingdom of God. What I mean by that is if we gather together like this and we say Jesus is Lord and we worship him as Lord, then that means Caesar isn't. It's a political act. When we worship Jesus as Lord together, what we are saying is those who think they have power and are in charge of the world aren't. That there's a lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world who alone is worthy to open the scroll and tell us what human history is about. That's what we do when we gather. It's not simply about the anxiety we brought in from this week or how do we get through next week a little bit. It's not about... That is important to God. I'm not saying it's not. And God is very much involved in that. But there's something about us coming together that proclaims that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And that's why... Paul would tell us in 1 Corinthians 12, 11 through 13, when they're gathered together, 14 really, when they're gathered together, that people would be speaking uh, prophetic words and people judging them. There'll be tongues, there'll be all kinds of things. But if somebody came in who was a visitor who didn't know God, who wasn't a part of the people of God, they would look at our meetings together and they would say, surely God is in their midst. And that's part of the goal. We come together 
to worship God because it bears witness and that we are a part of a people. No other people on the earth has been given that task but us, but Christians. One more thing, and I, I can get really excited about this. So I'm actually the one that put down time limits on each person, uh, but I gave them like three so that I could have eight. Um, <laughs> they just didn't know it. I'm just <laughs> but uh, <laughs> one, one, uh, one other thing, and, and I will, uh, the church gathers together, and it is to get, be gathered together in a way that is diverse, that there are people that are just different. We're different than each other. We're different than from ethnicity to political affiliation to jobs to socioeconomic backgrounds. We're different, and that's exactly the way it should be because God is, we're witnessing that God is getting out of this people from every tribe, tongue, nation. In other words, that which divided us when we come together in Jesus, we are now unified, and it bears witness that God is putting the world back to right because that which divided humanity is slowly losing its grip. How do you know? Go look at the community of Christ. Go look at the people of God. There's people from every tribe, tongue, nation, people learning to love one another. That's great. And that's a big deal. So the second question we want to answer, not just what are the reasons why we gather, what is it we are to do when we're together? Like there's just certain things you can do better in a smaller group. There's certain things that you can do better one-on-one, right? Like when it's time to do like the whole let's confess sin, I prefer one-on-one. I don't know about you guys. Um, what are some things that we can do uh, that we can do together? And actually, it's better done corporately together. So, Chris, we'll just go right back down the road if you want. What are some things that we do when we're together corporately? Yeah, so, I mean, I think worship is one of those. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but you get three or four people together in a room, and you try to worship, and sometimes that can feel really awkward where here, where we come together and able to worship side by side and uh, being led, got words on the screen, everything there. I mean, that's a big part of it. Um, I would start with Colossians three sixteen that says, uh, let the message about Christ and all of its riches fill your lives. Teach and counsel one another with all the wisdom that he gives, singing psalms, hymns, spirited songs with a thankful heart. Uh, and for me, you know, I would say that's one of the big things is being able to just come together. What are we supposed to do when we're together? Grow together, learn from each other, worship together. Uh, I think we can't just simplify it to that. I think also looking at Ephesians 4:11, uh, it says, "Now these gifts, uh, these are the gifts Christ gave the church: the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church." How many of you in this room have ever felt like you knew what God wanted you to do but didn't know how to do it? I mean, I know I've I've felt that a lot. That's part of the function of the church. It's not just saying, okay, here's what I was created to do, but it's being able to bring what I was created to do into a group of people where that's now able to partner with what I'm able to do is partner with what Tracy's able to do and pastor's able to do and AT's able to do and we're able to accomplish something even bigger because it's not just my gift. It's all of our gifts working together and learning how those partner together uh, under different teachings, groups, uh, in that ministry time, we're able to sit and grow and hear things from a different perspective than what I, maybe I would interpret or get when I'm reading scripture and studying that out on my own. Tracy? Agreed. I love coming together for corporate worship. I also love just coming to church and being in the lobby and being in here 
and being able to talk to everyone. You know, you can go throughout your week and your coworkers like, how is it going? Oh, it's going great. And not really admit what's not going great or where you really need help. And to me, that's what you do at church. It's, you know, Galatians 6.2, we bear each other's burdens. It's where you can be real and honest. It's where people can get in your face and say, no, how's it really going? It's where you can go out to the lobby during praise and worship and get one-on-one prayer for things going on in your life with faithful prayer warriors who, who believe that prayer changes things. You know, I just feel like that church has just become this check-the-box thing that people, okay, well, if I can just, you know, check the box, get church done, if I miss it, then I'll just listen to the podcast this week while I'm going on a jog. But I mean, how do you find that one-on-one ministry if that's your, the way that you are looking at church? Isaiah 61, you know, it goes back to that. You are called. You're called to bind up the brokenhearted, and you're called to set the captives free. Where is that outlet in your life if you're not here to give the brokenhearted a hug, to encourage them, give them a pat on the back. What, how does that happen if you're not actually here at church? You know, Romans, uh, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, like, all the different giftings that God has gifted people with. And I feel like every single one of us have a different gift and it's all like a different piece of the puzzle. And have you ever tried to put it together a piece, a puzzle, and then there's just one piece missing out of the box? And like you can tell what it is, but your eye just keeps being drawn to that one missing piece. That's what it's like when you're not at church. You're the missing piece of the puzzle. There's just something that we can't accomplish when people are not here all together because you are valuable and your gifts are valuable and what you contribute is valuable and we're just incomplete when we aren't all together. Yeah, I have kind of an interesting thought on what is a, you know, what we can do when we gather that maybe we couldn't do alone. <clears throat> and I, I think of the word <laughs> irritation. Um, if you stay at home, you won't irritate anybody and they won't irritate you. And um, the value of not being irritated, Tracy and I joke sometimes, let's go live on an island and I mean, it, there'd be nobody to irritate us except each other and then, you know, we'd probably kill each other on an island alone because you're not made for that. It's not good for man to be lacking irritation. Why would that be? How many of you here are a part of all humanity? Can I just see? You're part of all humanity, right? You are men and women, part of all humanity. We're part of all humanity. How many of you gave your life to Christ? You're part of all Christianity. Can I just see? All humanity, all Christianity. Isn't it interesting that God's plan was actually for every person in the human race to be born? His plan is for them to be born into a family. Greatest source of irritation in your entire life? Family. You're not, that, you're not in proximity to anybody as much as that. So what is the value of irritation? Maybe you should uh, ask a pearl. Because that's where a pearl comes from. A source of irritation. A grain of sand gets in a place, begins to irritate. 
And out of that then comes a beautiful pearl. What kind of beauty is God trying to create within you as a result of the irritation that you try to avoid? It is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to never suffer any form of irritation of humanity around them because actually love is easy until love costs you something and then love drives something deeper into your life. Love is patient. As long as nobody's causing me to not have to go slow, then I'm easily patient. But when somebody is doing something that's irritating me, slowing me down, then I feel a sense of impatience. And what that does then is it exposes an irritation that God then begins to develop something deep within me that actually is producing a pearl if I'll press into that rather than say, I'm just going to get away from people. And you cannot let yourself get sour and south from the church and become everything God's called you to be. You just can't do it. There's too much God wants to do deep within your heart. So I've shared a perspective of this, and we're exploring this with the Destiny table, and, and we're hearing more about it. It's why we're sitting at this table. Today was marking the day that we're removing the tables from the congregation uh, family, <clears throat> the floor to put up here, and so we'll not put those back, but we're still focusing into the season just to get the revelation that God is wanting us to possess. And so it, it's, it's important to mention this just that we understand. We are family. Would you agree? Uh, you've probably heard that old hymn, We Are Family, I Got All My Sisters and Me. It's one of those great hymns of the old days. We are family. That's, that's what we are. Um, and so when we're looking at the role of family, we have, when I think about family, like I'm sitting next to my wife. We're primary family, right? There's Lexi and Faith's online with us this morning. Um, we're primary family. And then there's secondary family. And Chris is not my son. He's my brother. And, um, and so secondary family, we do spend time together. My parents are somewhere around here uh, in the group. Ah, there they are hiding back there. Uh, and no, Dad, you can't have the mic, always asking. Uh, and so secondary family, we, we spend time together, but we're not as close in proximity all the time together. We're not aware of each other's issues. We don't irritate each other quite as much in secondary family world. Would you agree with that? We're much better at irritating each other in primary family world. Amen. Just kidding, amen. And so there's primary family, there's secondary family, then there's extended family. That's when we have a, a family reunion and you know people that you don't see very often show up. And when you put this in the framework of church, the problem is in the Western world church, the ideology that has shaped much of the church world that we have grown up in, living in, and learning from, we call this primary family. And what we have to understand, this is much more secondary family than it is primary family. It's a very important part of your spiritual walk, but your primary family are the people that you're going to interact with more closely over the table. That's why our groups are so important. That's why the Destiny table is so important. That's why I want to tell you, get involved, get engaged, get connected, because if you're trying to make secondary family become your primary family focus, then you have got something off in the, the way that you're trying to function. And we in the Western world have tried to make the secondary family the feeling of primary family when it really is not. And both have incredibly deep value, and we don't want to abandon one to embrace the other. So then extended family, that's the people who show up on Christmas and Easter uh, for the family reunion a couple times a year. And so that's kind of the way in my brain I'm framing this to try and understand more of what the Lord is doing. And I'm very excited just about how that's unfolding and what's taking place. And again, as we're learning more about that, we'll be sharing more about that as we're continuing to walk that out. We've got a group that we're starting to work with that. Um, and just kind of in the name of irritation, I thought it might be good just to provide a little source of irritation for somebody who has no idea what I'm about to do in the room. First, I just want to say of, of Haley. Haley's family. Haley's grown up here. 
Um, Haley was a cheerleader in our Christian school. She graduated. She, I remember she was working the snow cone stand out in the front, and uh, we've walked with her through every step of the way of her life with everything going on in her family. It's just been so great. Uh, we count her as a daughter in the faith and uh, part of our teaching team, and I just want to say uh, we really do love and appreciate you and value your voice, and sorry that you're a horse, but I'm not going to pick on you. Um, I'm going to pick on someone else. And, and Chris said it well. He's grown up here. So first I want you to show you a picture of what I call Pee Wee Jakes. This is, this is Pee Wee Jakes. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Chris Neeson on his journey of knowing Jesus. Oh, but it gets better. Here, glory. He, there, there he is with me when people were thinking I was dad. his dad. I'm not. I'm his brother. But twin day at Destiny Christian School when I was the principal of the school. And there he was having to endure me as his principal. And then uh, he endured me as his youth pastor. And uh, this was actually when he was uh, baptized. And then I thought it was great, uh, the, a picture of him and Riker, when Riker was little, kind of about the same age as that other picture with us. But the reason I want to point that out is because uh, we've come a long way as a family together. There are a lot of people who have truly grown up in the spiritual atmosphere uh, that exists in this place. And I remember years ago when I first became the pastor, Tracy and I stepped into that role the year 2000. Uh, having been here since 1990, working with the school and other elements of the church. But I remember saying, uh, once we had faith, our firstborn, I remember saying, all our kids are going to grow up together in the Lord. And the way we handle our irritation will determine if our children grow toxic or if our children produce pearls. And I think it's very important that you understand legitimate frustrations are going to exist in your life, in family. But let them produce pearls as you continue to walk that out. Good word. Yeah, I, mean, I just don't know what you, I mean, just to kind of maybe frame it theologically, what we just witnessed, the, the, the pictures. We are a part of a people who have stories, which is an ethic um, anybody, everybody, well, I think everybody has one. Everybody has like, like crazy Uncle Earl that you don't really wish, you wish wasn't your uncle, but he's your uncle. And you sit around one day telling stories about crazy Uncle Earl, laughing like crazy. And what that says is, I have learned to love someone I didn't choose, nor might not have chosen to be my uncle. But now I can celebrate my crazy Uncle Earl. See, the part of learning in the, as Christians is we're learning to love people we didn't choose because you don't get to choose who God adds to the body of Christ. That's like not your call. Uh, okay, well, you guys look like you got that all down. But, um, you don't get to choose your brother or son, whichever one that, that is. You, don't, you, know, you choose to have kids. You don't choose the kids you get, right? Uh, we're all learning to love people we didn't, we didn't choose. So what do we do? What, do I, what does this actually look like? What do we do when we come together corporately? And I just want to kind of frame it, maybe from church history, there was four primary things they, in church history the church would do, and that is worship, the word, sacraments, love one another. And so just briefly, worship being, as we've talked about, it's a form of witnessing. But worship, when we worship, I just want you to realize what we're doing. We are doing now what the whole world will do ultimately. In the end... Everybody bows their knee to Jesus, and they worship him. We're doing now what all the cosmos, all the world will do ultimately. 
And that's our job right now, to do that, to worship God, to um, make space for him and declare his worthiness. Uh, it's a way of witnessing. But then you have the word. We're the only people that have been committed to live according to the truth claims, the judgments, the paradigm, um, the ethic um, of the New Testament. We're the only people that say we're going to do our best as faithfully as possible to live according to these scriptures. So much so that when our lives don't match up to it, we're going to confess. We're going to help each other. We're going to extend forgiveness to one another. We're going to help each other embody this, these truths. Um, but we're the only community in the world that is committed to live according to the truth claims of Scripture. And so that's why we not only teach the Word, that's why we learn how to live out the Word in our daily lives. And we need each other and reminder of that constantly. The third thing would be sacraments. Sacraments is a big word that just means holy mystery. But I just want to, because I, I think sometimes, especially in charismatic cultures, I think we miss this a little bit. But a sacrament is a sacrament because God promised, just think about this. God promised that when his church did these sacraments, he would be there with them, doing it with them. So baptism, communion, worship, the word, the teaching of his word. He's promised when we gather together, he promised to be in the midst of us. And that's why when we do these things, we can have confidence God does it with us. When we baptize somebody in water, we're not saving them. The water's not saving them. God saved them. He just said, I will act with you when you do it. And that's why there's a holy mystery to it. Um, but we, we need to continue to practice those, and they continually bear witness. Like, for example, now baptism bears witness to the fact that in order to be a part of this community, you have to, like, die in Jesus. You're, you laid into his death, and you've resurrected with him. Does this make sense? This is the kind of community where you don't come and get cleaned up. You, God just wants to kill you in Jesus and then resurrect you into a whole new person. Trying to clean you up, it's like trying to clean up a dirt road. He's not interested in doing it. He's actually just going to kill you and make you a new one. In the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing, right? We've been buried with Christ in baptism into his death. And we've been raised in the newness of life. Like, he's killing you off in a really, you know, without losing yourself. Yeah, you get to be a part of Jesus. But that baptism then testifies of something. To be a part of this group is to come in saying, I can't be made clean or whole. I have to be made new. Now, that community should be one marked by forgiveness and grace. If the only way you get in is to go, I can't get cleaned up enough. Do you see? Or communion. We take it saying, look, I can't save myself. My only hope is that there's a broken body and the blood of Jesus Christ was spilt and it was a propitiation for my sin. God looked upon it and said, I will take that instead of giving you what you deserve. And that's my only hope. My only hope. Not that my life got together, not that this week was really good, not that my anxiety's less, not that I worked some things out. Do you see that Jesus is, is this making sense to you? Yeah. All right. Well, then the last one is to love one another, learning to love the people we didn't choose, as we've talked about. And uh, that, I think almost everyone has mentioned that uh, as a really key point. So um, last question is just kind of practically, made, how do we respond to this? And I just want, before I... We're going to take communion in just a minute or have a chance to worship and respond. But just do you guys have anything you want to add um, before we, we turn the corner to concluding? Go for it, Chris. You got something. Yeah, I do. Uh, you got pictures, don't you? Let's bring out those pictures. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I would say the big thing. Just looking at how do we respond to this. Uh, we show up. Not to mean that too you know, churchy, but we show up. We show up for each other. We show up for service. 
I mean, how many of you have walked in this room any given week walking through whatever life has handed you and you walked into a Christy Weldon smiling in the lobby and it changed something about the morning for you? You know, you get over here and Elston's greeting you as you're coming in the auditorium, whatever that looks like for you, but there's that friendly face, there's that family that is there because you didn't even know what you needed that morning, but you just showed up because you knew you needed something. And that's where when we show up, even the days where, I mean, let's all be honest, there's some Sunday mornings you get ready, just like, mm, man, I'd really just want to watch online <laughs> or maybe just sleep in altogether. But we show up for each other uh, because there's something I need out of today that I may not even know what I need. Uh, there may be somebody who's going to show up today that needs that interaction uh, with me and that I don't even know yet. God's ordained and set up and orchestrated a conversation that may be life-changing for somebody. Uh, so I think for me, that's the big thing. We show up when we worship. I man, I can't tell you how many times worship is kicked off and man, I just do not feel it that day. Can, can I say that? <laughs> but I worship anyway. And some of those are the most amazing moments where I just feel the presence of God fill the room and it begins to do a deep work inside of me because I chose not to live where I was feeling, but I chose to dwell where God wanted me to dwell. And it's in those moments when we show up that we really begin to participate in something that's bigger than ourselves, because we're moving beyond how we feel at the moment to cooperate with a corporate movement of what God is doing in the earth. So for me, that's it. While everyone was talking, I was just thinking, actually, when Lawrence was p pointing out Haley if Haley had been up here and been able to share her story, it would have been that she grew up in the school, she grew up in the youth group, and there were people speaking into her life, and then she strayed, and then she came back. And I would say, what can you do in response is volunteer in some area, some shape or fashion, because I'm a product of it too. I was a little kid when people were doing those lessons in children's church. I was in youth when those youth sponsors took time for me and my problems. I was in, you know, young married when we were sitting at the pastor's house by his pool and they were speaking life into our marriage. Volunteer, do something to speak into the next generation. This week when I was, I listened to the Bible every day on my way to work, and I'm, I got up to the point this week where David is talking about, you know, he wants to build the temple, and God says, it's not going to be you building the temple. I'm, it's Solomon, your son, who is going to build the temple, and there are some things that God wants done on this earth that you may have in your heart to do, but it's not for you. It's for you to speak into and train the next generation, and they will be the ones doing those things. Because I'm sure that Solomon watched his dad David dance before the Lord, watched David in prayer and writing those psalms and seeing before the Lord. Solomon watched his dad's relationship with God. And those younger people than you, and I mean, it. I'm not, I'm, I am pointing out kids and youth, but the younger generation, adults, are watching the older generation, 
that everybody is watching and you can do your part for training the next generation because God has a call and things he wants to do on this earth that may not be just about you. It may be about the next generation. Uh, I'm reminded of uh, Abraham, isn't it? Abraham was given the promise that he would have a land. And on his deathbed, he blesses his sons, but he asks his son to promise him something. When you get to that land, come move my body there. Just think about that. He's not sour that he's not going to see the promise of God. He knows he will be, he, his legacy, his family will be there. So he's there. He's not mad about that. That is a multi-generational view, isn't it? And uh, honestly, we have a mission that's going to require a, a lot of generations because it can't be accomplished by one of us. So this is what I like to do as we conclude. Would you just stand with us? Um, the passage that we read in, in Hebrews 10 said, uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. There's a difference between assembling something and, and congregation. I remember years ago I bought a table um, and uh, the pieces of that table were congregated in the box. I had to assemble it if I wanted to use it. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We're not just here to congregate. We're here to be assembled together. That's part of uh, what uh, Tracy mentioned about the spiritual gifts um, and how do we work together. So part of that assembly is that we are gathered around Jesus Christ. There is no unity here. That in the church that's not gathered around Jesus Christ. That's why we can handle a whole bunch of irritating differences. Because <laughs> the one true unifying factor is Jesus. And we want to just celebrate that this morning. We want to celebrate this communion behind this camera here in the center. We're going to celebrate it through worship. I encourage you to you can grab communion and take it. You can worship together. But I'd like us to worship in this way, just reflecting on the fact that the only reason we can gather together as, a, as one community is because we can gather around Jesus Christ. And let me ask you just a straight question. Are you here for something other than Jesus Christ? There's, you can have plenty much more than Jesus, but you can't just, <laughs> Jesus will bring that. He'll add all those things unto you. But if you're coming to not get Jesus but get something else, you're going to miss the real treasure here, which is the presence of God in our midst, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me pray, and then we're going to worship together. Father, we thank you that um, you are mysteriously doing something in your body. We're leaning forward, doing our best to listen. We thank you that you are in the midst of us, that your presence is here. We thank you that you are uniting us. You are making us one, even in the middle of our irritating uh, differences and sometimes our, and our frustrations. We thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of all honor and glory and praise. That the only reason that we can be here is because of your broken body and your shed blood. And we want to celebrate that. We want to worship you. We want to join in with those who have went before us, that great cloud of witnesses. We want to step into that uh, over 2,000-year stream of the saints who gathered to worship you because you are worthy of all glory and honor and praise. So we turn our attention now. Holy Spirit, will you come and help us make much of Jesus? And would you unite us? And would you assemble us together that we might be the body of Christ in this little corner of God's earth, in a way that's pleasing to you. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.